Ah, motherhood. One minute, your mom of the year. I love you, mommy. Then the next? Mm, not so much. From bath time to bullying, from potty training to puberty, parenting is full of challenges. But one thing is for certain, you are not alone. Welcome to Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, author, mother, parenting expert, Tara Clark. Join me while we tackle today's Modern Mom Problems. Welcome to another episode of Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, Tara Clark. If you like what we're doing here, be sure to subscribe and give us a review. Today, we're going to be talking about postpartum. We're going to be talking about the stuff that no one ever talks about. So often, we hear new moms say, no one ever told me this. And it's true. And so today we're talking about all of the things. I am joined by Chelsea Slavins and Caitlin Bodie, founders of the wildly popular Instagram account, Mama Psychologists. They're best friends, registered psychologists in Canada, and most importantly, moms, to four kids, five and under. Caitlin and Chelsea are the authors of the new book, Not Your Mother's Postpartum Book, Normalizing Post-Baby Mental Health Struggles, Navigating Hashtag Mom Life, and Finding Strength Amid the Chaos. Caitlin and Chelsea, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. We're excited to be here. So I recently got a copy of your book, and it is gorgeous. It is really like what every mom needs postpartum five years out 10 years out it is it's really incredible so we're going to be diving into that a little bit but before we do tell us a little bit about yourselves chelsea let's start with you yeah so i'm chelsea one half of mom psychologist just kind of how i like to start but i'm a mom of two so i have a three-year-old boy and uh oh my gosh how old is she 10 month old little girl and so they keep me busy when I'm, we're not working with clients or working on mama psychologist stuff. And I specialize in postpartum mental health, perinatal mental health, birth trauma. I also work with child and adolescent psychology. So a little bit of everything there. That's great. Caitlin? And my name is Caitlin Slavins. I'm a psychologist in Alberta. I as well, I started out specializing in children and adolescent mental health. And after my experience postpartum and parenting <laughs> struggles, I decided to dive into more postpartum mental health and children's mental health and parenting struggles. So it has been a journey into motherhood, let me tell you, but we're so excited that we get to have an amazing community of Instagram followers, TikTok followers, everything. And then we're excited just to bring our platform to a wider audience with our book as well. Yeah. And like I said, the book is just absolutely gorgeous. I feel like it's everything from your Instagram account, but just analog in a book. Absolutely. And it's awesome. So today we're talking about all of the things postpartum. And let's start off with post-baby mental health struggles. I know we could talk about that for probably hours, and this isn't a four-hour podcast, so we're going to try to do it justice in the amount of time that we have. Many mothers experience postpartum depression, anxiety, OCD. Any advice on how to deal with some of these struggles while you're still looking after a newborn? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing we definitely encourage is 
if possible, before baby's here is doing kind of like a postpartum coping plan is what we like to talk about. So it's having the opportunity to, you know, write down the resources in your community. If you have a partner to work with them and say, what's your role going to be a little bit? What's my role going to be a little bit? Obviously, it's hard to plan for that totally, because once you're in it, it's like, this is not what I expected. But just having those conversations early so that door is already open. And then allowing some opportunity to like, reflect on how do you normally react to stress, right? Like, knowing what your normal response is can sometimes it's heightened in the postpartum period, but it definitely can be kind of a guide and how you normally manage that stress. Now, going into postpartum, obviously, if you've already had a baby and you're kind of in the midst of that postpartum depression or wondering what to do, there's a few things that we look at. So one is going back to our basic, basic needs, because that's often what like goes right out the door when we have a baby, right? It's all about baby. It's all about ensuring they're fed and changed and cared for, which is lovely. But then we just like, don't do that for ourselves. We're like, kind of on the back burner. And so, you know, reflecting on, you know, I call it the three things. Am I hungry? Am I tired? Am I clean? So have you had anything to drink or have you had anything to eat recently? How is the sleep deprivation? Have you been able to rest? Or is, you know, is babe up every 30 minutes to three hours and you haven't had any time to get some condensed sleep? And then am I clean? So, you know, is a change of clothes, is a shower, you know, are those things that you normally do day to day, can you add them in? Because they can make such a difference. And we want to be realistic with our time, right? You know, it'd be lovely if you had an hour or two to yourself, but that's not everybody's reality. And so, you know, can we just start with the basics and build up from there? Yeah, no, that that's true. Caitlin, do you have anything to add on that one? Yeah, absolutely. And I can really attest to this and just being a mental health professional and a psychologist, like when we take our master's and we take our training to be a psychologist, unless you specialize in postpartum mental health, it's not really a part of our of our training or of our classes at all. So even though I was a mental health professional and I have my baby and beforehand, I I knew my response was I was an anxious person, just an anxious person. Okay, that's fine. I knew I would be anxious after baby came, but I had no idea how like magnified it would be, how intense it would be, how all consumed with all these intrusive thoughts, all these scary thoughts, all these worst case scenarios that I would be. So number one, as a mental health professional, I wasn't even prepared for that. And I think that's something that we really need to let moms know that yes, this, this happens. And if you're an anxious person beforehand, it likely not all the time, of course, but it's going to be magnified in the postpartum period and knowing that, okay, what is my typical stress response and how, how can I manage that? Do I need to talk to somebody or do I need to reach out for support? And do I need to look at where can I like take a break? Even if it's like, obviously it's not going to be an hour or half an hour, but five minutes. Can I put baby in the swing for five minutes? And I just lie down with my weighted blanket and close my eyes. It's looking at what are the small little moments of rest that you can get. Yeah. The small, those little micro moments of micro moments. Yeah. I know when my son was born, I suffered from postpartum anxiety and I thought that maybe that's just what motherhood was now. I didn't know 
that maybe there was something different from what I was experiencing to what maybe another mother would have experienced. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. And to further just that point, there's normal mom worry, right? Moms, (laughs) you hear it all the time. Moms worry. That's just kind of something that, that happens that goes along with motherhood because it's like you've never had something so precious before, something so important before. So some of that worry, yeah, it's, it's normal. A complete absence of worry wouldn't be ideal either. Wouldn't get anything done or eat or anything like that. But then is it interfering with your daily functioning? Right. For me, it definitely was because I couldn't drive. I couldn't put my baby in the car seat because the anxiety, the intrusive thoughts would become so horrible and vivid that that really impacted me. So it's like, yes, I couldn't leave my house. So that was interfering with my daily functioning. And when we look at postpartum anxiety, it's it's a spectrum. Is it like, okay, that's a little bit of worry, but I can talk back to my anxiety. I can say, you know what? That's just my anxious voice and it can settle down. Or is it like taking on a life of its own? And that's where we kind of look at, at the spectrum. Is this just kind of like, you know what, mom worry? Or is this debilitating anxiety? Right, right. And then what about if someone has like an adjustment disorder, you know what I mean? Like, cause obviously becoming a new mom, there is a huge adjustment time period there. What about that as well? Yeah, absolutely. It can definitely, we, it's almost like an acute kind of problem. So we look at it a little bit more short term, but for example, my son was in NICU. And so I had like acute adjustment disorder kind of coming home. Like I didn't, I ha- it could have been labeled postpartum depression, but when you throw in like NICU and birth trauma and all that, it gets a little bit messy. And so lots of what can happen is you notice a lot of kind of, in- it-, it can be a combo of like intrusive thoughts or like a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, like wondering what you've done wrong or what's happening, not wondering about like, why is my mood so low? Why am I so stressed, right? It's almost like a stress management kind of thing. And on the flip side of that, we would also look at kind of like that matriescence is kind of the term for it or that like becoming a mother. And so a lot of people can struggle with that shift because it's so different, right? Or we're not the same person we were when we were pregnant and we're not the same person before that too, right? So there's so many changes that happen so relatively quickly, even though pregnancy can feel like it lasts a lifetime sometimes, that, you know, you will see this, like, I don't know who I am anymore, or I don't know other parts of me that aren't mom. And that can feel really like conflicting because there's that push of, I want to feel like I used to feel, or I want to feel connected to myself. But then on the flip side, who who is that now, now that I'm mom? Yeah. And many times that takes years to have that feeling like yourself again. Like that's not an immediate, like, oh, six weeks later, like I'm bouncing back from a C-section six weeks later. Like you're bouncing back to like your former self. Like it may take six months. It may take six years. May never happen. You know, it may never happen. Exactly. Exactly. And I remember so clearly right before I had my first baby, I was lying down in my bed. I was like having some back labor with my dog and just like lying there thinking like, this is the last time I'm ever like going to be alone. Because after that, you're truly never, never alone. Yeah. And really kind of like thinking of that moment. It's like, wow, that was the last time I was ever truly alone. Like by myself, me and my dog lying in my bed, 
because after baby comes, I mean, yes, you may have like days apart if they're somewhere else, but you're, you're never truly yourself. There will always be that extension of you that you're thinking about or wondering about or worrying about, right? So that was a huge identity shift for me is that I'm never truly going to be alone ever again. So interesting. I never thought of it like that, but you're 100% right. I mean, you know, maybe now that they go to school and you're like, well, now I have some time to myself, but you know, they're still at school. It's not like they don't exist. They're just not home with you right now. Exactly. Exactly. I remember that just being a pivotal moment of like, oh, okay. My life has fundamentally shifted. Yeah. I think I thought about that with my my son too. He was breach and no matter what we did, he would not move. So he was a scheduled C-section, which I I was fine with. I was actually a C-section myself, but that was only because my mom had like an emergency section back in the eighties. And like, it was like a disaster, but anyway, I'm here. So it's fine. <laughs> Talk about like birth trauma, but okay. I'm, I'm still here. But for my son, like I said, he was also breach and he was uh, a scheduled C-section. And so I knew when I was going in to have him and when I knew I was going to be a mom. So that morning I knew, you know, he was born on a Tuesday and I remember waking up and being like, okay, like, now I know that same thing that you said, you know, this is the last time I'll be by myself. And so it's not like, you know, sometimes if people go into labor and they're like, well, is it false labor? Is it actually happening? Like, I don't know. Like I was very cut and dry, like, you know, Tuesday you knew at it was o'clock in the morning, <laughs> that, that was it. It was going to be the last time that, that I would be alone with my, my cat Penelope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to talk about, Chelsea sort of alluded to it a little bit, about guilt. And I want to talk about mom guilt and societal pressures that we feel in the postpartum time period. For me, I'm God, it was so many different things, but I want to talk about breastfeeding. It was a struggle for me to do it. Then ultimately I was able to do it and we introduced formula and I pumped. I did all of it. I I nursed and we introduced formula and I pumped. And then I also did extended breastfeeding. It really, if like, if it fell underneath the, the the umbrella of breastfeeding somehow, or, or just feeding your child in general, I did it, but it was not without a lot of guilt or a lot of shame or all of those things that came into it. And so I'm going to start with you, Chelsea, and, and ask you, can you elaborate a little bit about the mom guilt that we feel when it comes to feeding our babies? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's kind of twofold, right? We often have these like internalized ideas of how, you know, our feeding journey with our children is going to go. We have these expectations. We also have whatever we value within that. And then there's the flip side of that, like external pressure. So, you know, the societal pressure, the expectation of, you know, feeding is such a hot topic. Feeding and sleep, you're going to upset somebody if you talk about it. And so, you know, there is that like cultural like expectation, right. Of, you know, here's what I did and you should do it. You should breastfeed. You should not breastfeed. You should breastfeed for this long. You should not breastfeed for that long. You should, right. Like there's so much information like bombarding moms. And I think it's really hard because there isn't a right answer in terms of you have to do what works for you. You have to do what works for your body, for your family, all of those things. And so when our expectations aren't met and then we throw in the societal expectations or pressures or even like social media, right? When we see all of those images of moms 
like breastfeeding or pumping or formula feeding. And then we, so we take in all this information and we're like, well, what, what am I doing wrong? Regardless of what you're doing, you're going to probably feel like you're doing it wrong because of all of those messages. And also throw on top of that, the struggle of, you know, the feeding journey, it often doesn't go as expected. I know very, there's not very moms that are just like, yeah, it just happened naturally. And it was perfect. And it went exactly how I anticipated it was going to go. So there is a little grief that can come along with that journey if it isn't as expected. And then the sleep deprivation, the adjusting to be a mom, right? Throw that in. And it's, it's like the perfect storm for having this guilt, have something to latch on to. Yeah. And even for myself, I remember before my first was born, I didn't even think about it, right? I'm just like, oh yeah, I'll just like breastfeed. Like that's just what you do. Like I literally didn't even give it really a second thought. I'm like, oh, that was really naive of me. But I I didn't know what I didn't know, right? But then he comes out and things aren't going well and he gets like, the first feeding that he has is a bottle of formula. And I'm like, what is happening? Ah, that's not what I thought was going to happen. And it was just completely different from what I envisioned. It was a struggle and we formula fed and breastfed and it was hard. The whole process was hard. But then my daughter comes a couple of years later and it's like, I was prepared. I'm like, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. Like (laughs) mentally prepping myself and, and it was okay. It went very, very differently than it was with my son. But just because we had like success maybe early on doesn't mean that we're going to have success later on. And if we didn't have success later on, it doesn't mean that we won't have success with our next one, right? Each kid and experience and feeding journey is so fundamentally different. I love makeup. It's the one thing that makes me feel put together. My hair can be a disaster and I could be wearing sweatpants and a hoodie, but I love having my makeup on. Everyone has their own thing, right? I recently started using Mommy Makeup, a brand specifically designed for busy moms like us. Their products are talc-free, paraben-free, and made in the USA. Using the Mommy Makeup system, you could have flawless makeup in six minutes. I use their Mommy's Little Helper Concealer, the Smudge Proof Anywhere Cream, Stay Put Gel Eyeliner, and Mascara. And of all of their amazing products, my favorite might be the Triple Sticks Lipstick and Cream Blush. These conditioning pencils are lipstick, cream blush, and treatment all in one, which is a huge time saver for me in the morning. Mommy Makeup even offers free color consultations, so you could find the best colors for you. Head over to mommymakeup.com and use my special promo code, MOMPROBS, to receive 20% off. That's M-O-M-P-R-O-E-S to get 20% off. Yeah. And and going back to the expectations that you said, I think that for me was like such a huge thing because I thought like you, Caitlin, I was like, oh yeah, breastfeeding. Oh, it's natural. I'll just pick it up. It was the hardest thing. Why didn't anybody tell me that? The lactation specialist at the hospital, she was like grabbing my breast and squeezing it so hard and trying to shove it in his mouth. And, and he also was a NICU baby because the day that he was born, he's like, I don't know if like the nurses left him out too long and he got cold and his blood sugar dropped. And so then they had to put him in the, in the NICU for a few days for observation. So there he was getting formula. So just like you, Caitlin, like 
he had formula first before that. But when they brought him out, then they tried to show me how to to nurse. And the lactation specialist, she was so mean and she hurt me so badly. But I was like, I'm going to get this. I'm going to, you know, have to squeeze me. And, you know, I tried and eventually it worked. And, and I also pumped going back to postpartum anxiety. I pumped because I was able to see the quantity that I was feeding my child because there was something in the back of my mind that I was like, well, if he's nursing, he's not getting enough food. So if I pump, then I can see that he's getting four ounces and I know he's okay. And so that sort of does go back into those intrusive thoughts, you know, going into that back to our, our feeding journey. I like that phrase. I think I'm going to start using that phrase feeding journey, but it's so like, at the time, people weren't talking about this stuff. And that's why I'm so glad to have you here, everything that you do on your platform and in your beautiful book, because it's like the more women talk about this and the more it gets out there, then the less women in the future are going to say, but nobody told me about nursing or nobody told me I'll be wearing an, an adult diaper or nobody told me what my first postpartum poop would look like. You know, all of those exactly. things that exactly. have been hidden or taboo or just not polite to talk about. I want us to be able to share with our peers. Absolutely. So you wrote the book, like literally the book on postpartum, <laughs> not your mother's postpartum book. What led you to write it? I think exactly like what you were talking about is that I know even for myself, the scary thoughts, the intrusive thoughts were a big part of my postpartum anxiety. And literally I had no flipping idea. I thought like there was something wrong with me. I was crazy. Like normal people don't get these thoughts. So, but once you start learning more about intrusive thoughts and, you know, a little bit of postpartum OCD, it's like, no, like up to a hundred percent research has shown like up to a hundred percent of moms get these intrusive thoughts and up to 50%. And I mean, it's research. So the number is probably higher because people that don't report of moms have thoughts of like harming their baby. Right. And knowing that, you know what, these thoughts are normal. They happen. It doesn't mean that you're a danger to your child. It doesn't mean that you're going to, or you want to harm your baby, but these thoughts just come up and them being uncomfortable, them making you feel like, oh my gosh, what is wrong? That's actually like a positive sign, right? Because it's incongruent with like, okay, I actually want to harm my baby, right? If, if those thoughts come up and you, and you don't feel distressed by, by them, that's a warning sign. But if they come up and you're like, what the hell is wrong with me? That that's a good thing, right? So these thoughts happen. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad mom. It doesn't mean that you're going to, you know what, if you tell somebody that you're going to have CFS knocking at your door, it doesn't mean those things, but it needs to be talked about because otherwise people can spiral into a lot of anxiety, into a lot of self-doubt, into a lot of shame. So that was a big part of just normalizing mental health and postpartum mental health for, for myself in wanting to write the book and just having more updated information. Like we live in a world where <laughs> social media, right? You, you go on Instagram and you see how like Sarah from <laughs> your high school is like, oh, she has twins and she has two older kids and they have these like beautiful like smoothies. And you're like, what am I doing wrong? Why is it so easy for her? Right? So that's another part where it's like, 
the social media comparison trap, the mental load, the contradiction. We wanted to dive into all of those things because we've run like postpartum therapy groups too. And those are often themes that we see coming up is that, oh, I start scrolling and I feel like crap. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be that so many of those concepts that you just mentioned are the reoccurring I like to call them like modern mom problems, right? It it is the comparison trap. It's the mindless scrolling. It's the mental load of motherhood, which is a huge thing. You know, it's also, you know, the discussion around domestic labor. You know, so many of those things are topics that keep coming up again and again. And I think it's really important that we crack those open and talk about them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Chelsea, why did you want to be a part of writing what I would almost consider like the Bible of postpartum information? Well, I had kind of a unique start to motherhood. And so my son was born at 27 weeks. So he was three months early. And so we were really displaced from home. Our, our The city, the closest city to us where we work doesn't have the NICU care that could have taken him. So we were away from home and I felt so isolated and so alone. And I didn't really feel connected to being a mom. I didn't feel like a mom, right? I just felt like this kind of figurehead <laughs> that was like at this isolate for days on end. And so, you know, and in my thoughts, I was like, okay, I've like studied psychology. I've done like all of this work. This is like, somebody in like my situation, I'd be supporting and I have no idea what to do. And I feel so alone. And so how many other people out there would feel that way where regardless of their their experience, it doesn't have to be NICU, but it's just like feeling so isolated and alone and that you don't have anyone or anything to connect to. And so I think for me, it was really just having a place where we could talk about those things, you know, pregnancy loss, NICU, preemie babies, birth trauma, all of those things that, you know, again, kind of fall under that taboo topic. And no one wants to say like, yeah, this struggle sucks and it's hard. So it was just to put a voice to that a little bit, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad you did. Yeah. I think that was such an important part too for, for you, Chelsea. And every time she shares her story, I want to cry. So, (laughs) cause it's so, it's so mind blowing and so tough, but yeah, there's not a lot of resources out there for NICU moms, preemie moms, moms that have like a medical complex kiddo. So that was another big part of us wanting to to do the book too. And we wanted it like usable, right? We're like, what moms have time to like read a whole book? Like we really wrote it as in like, you can look at each, the whole thing, or you can look at each individual chapter because each experience is so individualized. So, hey, if you know, you're struggling with your feeding journey, go to that chapter. Hey, you're still- boundaries are awful. Go to that chapter. You don't have to take, you know, a week to read this book and dive in. You get to like pick and choose. And we wanted it kind of like an encyclopedia, so to speak, is kind of our thinking behind how it's like laid out and structured. Mission accomplished because it's true. Like I I flipped through it and no, it's true. You don't have to read all 400 pages in one sitting. It's like, you know, right now, if I know that let's say I'm struggling with where did I go finding yourself after baby, then I just flip to that chapter and that's what I'm going to focus on. Like I don't need to, you know, read about diaper changes anymore personally or potty training, but you can, you know, you could jump to the chapter where it's about identity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's your favorite section of the book? I've never been asked that before. That's a good question. Good question. All right, Caitlin, I'll go with you. What's your favorite section? 
Oh, I really like the the mother load, like the mental load of motherhood because it dives into, you know what, all the things that are present in our everyday life. And it doesn't matter if you're like two days postpartum or five years postpartum or 10 years postpartum, <laughs> the mental load is still there. And it's what does it look like? And how can we somehow manage this? Right. And how can we feel supported and understood? And it just validates mothers, right? And often our most popular posts are about the mental load because people are like, yes, I feel seen. I feel heard. So that would probably be my favorite chapter. Yeah, I, I agree. Tell us what about you? I, I'm probably impartial to the birth trauma chapter because I just hearing so many stories and it's something when you're pregnant, I think everybody just like wants to like share their birth story with you. And so I just, and it's so individualized, like it can be like medically a traumatic birth. It can be like cognitively or like mentally a birth trauma, but birth is just this amazing experience. And I just, I don't know. I'm totally partial to that chapter because I feel like everyone has this like transformation regardless of how the birth experience is and whether it's C-section or vaginal birth or whatever, right? It's just, it's such this like powerful thing and it can sway people so much, right? If it's a negative experience, it can like set their course for how they feel about, you know, themselves or their their journey into parenthood. And if it goes beautifully, then it's like this amazing thing, right? So yeah, I'm pretty partial to that chapter, I think. <laughs> That's something that people don't talk about enough, I think, the concept of birth trauma or different experiences in birth. Because like when we watch movies or sitcoms and stuff like that, it's always like the same thing. It's always like regular vaginal birth. You know, like I'm thinking about like sitcoms that I watched like when I was like younger, you know, or like friends or something like that. It's always like the same thing. There's no unless it's like ER and that's a different story, or Grey's Anatomy or something, that's a different story. Cause that's a medical drama. So then yeah, they are having a crash C section and they're wheeling her in. But that is something that, you know, in the media we don't often think about or hear about. You no, know? No. Nobody talks about the birth trauma or the after effects. I know just the scene from Friends where Rachel's having the baby popped popped in for me. And it's so like, like how many people are in there? It, it's just <laughs> very like, yeah, she's like grimacing, but there's really nothing kind of like scary or emergent about it. Right. It's almost mm -hmm. like, like comical, right. Which I mean, yeah. it's a TV show of course, right. but then but people still. take that and they, it's like, oh yeah, that, that's what it's going to be like. Right. Yeah. And often vastly is not. Right. It's true. I mean, I like I said, I, I told you about my experience. So I didn't really have that one way or the other. Ours was very like clinical in as much as like I knew it was going to be Tuesday at 830. And that's just what it's going to be. And, and it was, was. fine. Yeah. And that's what it was. It was very like matter of fact. And, and in fact, it was so quick that I had picked out songs to listen to on my iPod. And I didn't even get a chance to get to my music because he was out and so quickly. <laughs> I didn't even get a chance to listen to one song. One not song. one song. I couldn't even get my earbuds untangled before they had him out. And that was it. Wow. That's how fast it was. That's that was it. And I was like, okay, that's that's it. <laughs> I had songs picked out. I was like, oh, it's gonna, you know, I could listen to music on my iPod. This that now. No, that was nope. it. No, nope. nope. it was in and out. Like, I think it might have been, 
and I forgot my husband told me at one point, I forgot what it was. I'm just going to make up a number. It might've been 90 seconds from the time that they cut skin to he was out. And wow. So, so I didn't even get to listen to my music. Not <laughs> even <fine>. that. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even untangle my, my, my earbuds. No, it, it's fine. And, and he was healthy and I was fine. And, you know, it was okay. Much different from my mom's birth story. Like I said, years ago when I was breech and she labored for 48 hours and then oh my she had a crash C-section. So her story is is very traumatic to the point where then she woke up several days later because I guess C-sections back then, they like knocked people out. She woke up several days later and she was really, really hoping and praying that she would have a girl. And so the doctor came in and said, it's a girl. And she was like, literally, true story, don't you lie to me. Don't BS me, like threw something at him. And he was like, no, 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 seriously, it's a girl. And she was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> she like like was belligerent with the doctor. Oh, like, did you your mom have any more kids after after you then? No, I'm an only child. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was lots it. Birth trauma. Hey, she had and- lots lots of birth trauma. Lots of birth trauma. Oh, yeah. 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 No. Just me. We hear that too from lots of people. It's like, I'm done. No, I can't do that again. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm sure. She she tells me about how her labor was and really, I mean, even if my parents were divorced when I was very young, but even if like, I don't know, they stayed together and had more kids, I'm not entirely sure she'd be totally gung-ho for that. She had a really traumatic birth with me. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're here. Oh, thanks. <laughs> me too. And I'm sure she is also. So. <laughs> yes. so what is your one piece of advice that you would give a new mother? Chelsea, I'm going to start with you. I think it would be that even in the middle of the night when you're feeling so alone and sleep deprived and tired, there's a whole host of other parents that feel the way that you do. And even if it feels isolating, there are ways to connect or to be present or to find find things, uh, stories that can help you feel less alone. Yes. And mine would be become comfortable in asking for help because lots of people aren't comfortable and often deny it and say like, you know, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. There's no harm. And it doesn't mean that you're not strong, but you need to ask for help, right? The strongest people ask for help because they know that they need it. What would you say to someone who is scared to ask for help because she doesn't want people to either think she's crazy or have her baby taken away or have her husband get mad at her or something like that. What would you say to them, Caitlin? I would say find, you know what? Maybe it's one person. Maybe it's an account. Maybe it is somebody on the internet, but somebody that makes you feel valued and and worthwhile and Take a breath and know that you're a good mom and it is okay, right? Being vulnerable is scary for a lot of people because we often grew up with a mindset and this is generations ago, but like, don't ask for help. Don't admit like weakness, don't cry, all all of that, right? But the best thing that you can do for you and baby is to say like, I need, I need help and I need support and knowing who you can ask for. Yeah, absolutely. Ladies, tell everyone where we can find you online and where we could buy this gorgeous book. Yes, you can find us 
at Mama Psychologist on Instagram. We're also on TikTok and Pinterest, and our book will be available. Amazon is available for pre-order, and it should be in all the Barnes and Nobles in the States and chapters in, in Canada as well. And across the world, bookdepository.com, right, Charles? Yeah. Awesome. You guys are incredible. Is there any other, before we say goodbye, is there any other, like, one thing about postpartum that you wish someone would have told you about? There's so many things. (laughs) 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 Probably be prepared for the anxiety. Right. If if you're an anxious person, know that okay, it's probably gonna go through the roof. Talk to your doctor beforehand, make a plan beforehand. That would probably be my like biggest one is like, okay, make a plan for those like immediate days. Right. If it means somebody coming in and and giving you some rest, meals, meals is huge, right? Yeah. We had help, take it. Yeah, take the help. We when my when my son was born, we did not have help, but my husband did order a week's worth of meals, so we oh. had food, and that food. was so important. And so that really got us through at least like the first week or so. So yeah, get takeout would be that's that's my advice. In the in the very like, very very short term, don't cook. Just get takeout. Get get meals if you get them planned and they get dropped off at your house. Whatever it is, that's a Absolutely. huge thing. That's the biggest thing. Chelsea, what about you? What's one thing that you wish that you would have known? I feel like knowing that we're all trying to figure it out as we go. Like I just being like, no one knows what they're, they're doing. Right. Like, I feel like I would have found comfort in that. And the other piece of that is like, you don't have to bond with baby immediately. I think that would have been like super reassuring for me in those early days. Yeah. Chelsea. And Caitlin, thank you so much for being here. And everybody, go follow them at Mama Psychologist and go buy their book. Thanks, ladies. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Modern Mom Probs. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive in today's problem with me, your host, Tara Clark. Join me next time when I'll be interviewing another great guest and tackling another modern mom problem. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and a rating. As always, you could head over to Modern Mom Probs on Instagram and give me a follow or check out my book, Modern Mom Probs, A Survival Guide for 21st Century Mothers, available online wherever books are sold. Well, that's it for today. See you next time, folks.